0: Take care of their, their, our church, um, and but the big thing after I agreed was on, preach. Uh, <laughs> and so so then I, I asked the Lord. I was like, the Lord, you know, you know what, what's going on in my family, you know what I've been going through lately, and please just remove, get all that out of the way, get, get all the infirmities of my mind and spirit out of the way, and, and, and just show me what you you have to bring this morning. And uh, after not sleeping all of that night, I asked for it, uh, <laughs> the Lord revealed to me Mark 11, um, and in a very, uh, in a real way, we're going to hit most of the chapter. So buckle up, as far as that goes, I don't have a lot of uh, additional information to add, other than we're going to dive into the scripture directly. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version, um, so if it's slightly different than the text you have in your hand. Don't worry. Do you any word of God? Uh, these a little different little words here and there. Um, but let's, for a moment, let's talk about Mark. Okay, Mark wasn't there to witness all of these things firsthand. He got his account from Peter. He actually worked as Peter, translating, transcribing the stories and everything. Biblical scholars will, will, many of them, say that one of the things that Mark was focused on primarily was getting the story as precise as possible. Not only that, but his focus focused on getting it as concise as possible. So he was translating it, and I worked a little bit as a translator here and there from our years in Germany. When you're trying to get a plan across, and trying to bridge a language barrier sometimes, you want the simplest, most direct explanation you can find. That's what Mark's good for Mark gives us the story, and he gives it to us as direct and as concise as he can. Now, some people accuse Mark with not worrying about chronology. So he gets, sometimes he'll get his stories out of order or jumbled up and all those things. One of the fascinating things I find about Mark 11 is that if we look to the book of Matthew, Matthew of course, having been there, it almost matches, I think, the order of this chapter. So that tells me that the, the, the way the things flow and the way the information is given to us in this chapter There's an intentionality to the way Jesus interacts with people in Jerusalem and with his disciples, and so let's see if we can't parse out what point we're we're trying to find. What is what is Jesus revealing to all of us as we go through this chapter? So, chapter eleven. My Bible has it as the triumphant entry. You know, we we not too long ago had to celebrate the resurrection season, so. We got to celebrate now on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem as the, the triumphant victor, and so I'm going to just start reading right there, right there. The uh, so, chapter eleven, verse one. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and to Bethany and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, "Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied." on on which no one has ever sat, untie it, and break it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has needed it, and I will send it back Hops. it was already late. He went out to Bethany with the twelve. So as he's entering the city, the natural profession of the people is save us Doesn't understand because they're saying, "Save us in the highest." In other words, save us beyond this world. Save us in the next. Save us in the highest heavens. All right, well, right, let's continue on with the story. So then, the following day, when they came from Bethany, and Jesus was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard this. Paused. Awesome. Right. So the night he rode in triumph and heard people in the streets shouting for salvation. Shouting to be rescued from their current situation, rescued from the current setting, but also rescued in the heavens above, he wrote. He walks up to this beautiful tree. There's no fruit. And so he curses it right then and there. He walks up to this beautiful shiny green tree that's sprouting all of its beautiful leaves and he's looking for fruit. Doesn't find any. and curses it. Alright, so how does this day continue? Yeah, to have breakfast. Anyway, let's move on. So Jesus then, uh, and then he came to Jerusalem. He entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. He overturned tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is not written. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and scribes heard it. Of course, they were there, so they heard this. But they were seeking no way to destroy him, for they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at this teaching. And when evening came, they went out into the city. So the temple in Jerusalem, beautiful place, beautiful, beautiful place, that, in fact, a lot of the one, we've never seen. It. It's, it's, it's been destroyed, and you know, we know the will one day be rebuilt, but hopefully none of us will be on, on the face of the earth to see it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll be home with our Father. But it was a beautiful place to temple. and yet inside all that's going on is, this this right here. Oh, yeah, you want some of these? I got some of these. Would you like a relax? Would you They're selling things. They're selling things in the temple. Now, the night before when Jesus rode into town, when he rode straight to the temple, was he looking to buy things, you think? Was he, was he looking to pick a fresh pigeon? Go off and uh, sacrifice inside the temple? No, but I imagine those tables those chairs and those cages of birds. I've been sitting there in the dark with You would have known. So he comes back here, and they're selling things, and he just starts flipping tables and teaching. But what is he teaching? And what is the response of the leadership here? That's what's fascinating here, is the fact that he says, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers." And the chief priests and scribes heard this, and were looking for a way to destroy him, if you know. But the crowd was astonished at this teaching. Okay, we're standing in the temple, and he is reciting the law of oh, the teaching. He's in the temple, and reciting the written word of God. And the people are amazed to be hearing the word of God while they're standing in the temple. There might be a reason why the scribes were terrified. Because mm-hmm. they're standing around, possibly selling and controlling some of the boots themselves, or even pocketing some of the prophets. And when the word of God is preached inside the temple, they are afraid. And looking for a way to destroy it. They're thinking that. Who is he? Why is he in here talking about the scripture? And the people are like, wait, what? This is supposed to be a gospel prayer for all the nations? They were astonished. They weren't, remind, they weren't reminded of something oh yeah, we heard that once. No, no, no. They were astonished. They were amazed. They were flabbergasted. This was new information, people. Like it was the first time it had been taught in that temple. That beautiful temple with all of its accoutrements and the fancy man and the gold guards and the, everybody, hey, everybody. what are we doing for some pigeons and other things? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Pretty creature. Beautiful temple. Both bearing no fruit. That's right. And when it came evening, they went out into the city. And as they passed by in the, next, uh, in the next morning, when the disciples of Jesus passed by the fig tree, it had withered away to its roots. Beautiful tree that Jesus wanted to eat on, the previous morning. You have anything against anyone. That's in and that's uh, something wrong. That's a more And at that point, at that moment. It's fighting in me through the Holy Spirit. And I'm hoping you're seeing it. That it was dark. Nothing going on there when people are crying out to be saved. When he perks that big tree. The next day when he cleansed, when he cleansed house, when he came in with, with righteous indignation and literally thumped the tables over, one of one of the other accounts, you know, as in binding cords and making it with the drive people out with. This wasn't him losing his cool and being bad. This was him bringing judgment. I'm going to flip over to Isaiah 34 real quick because the fig tree is very, very, very relevant mm-hmm. to the judgment. When Isaiah records what the Lord revealed to him about the judgment of the nations, in the fourth verse, he says this. All the hosts of heaven shall not away, and the skies will roll up like a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall, as the leaves fall from the vine, like the leaves falling from the fig tree. See when the Messiah is released to judge, and when God releases judgment on our people. He makes his illustrations clear. Mm-hmm. When, when, when Jesus rolled into Jerusalem, he was coming to save the people. Uh, I love how one of the, one of the, the scripture Bibles, one of the many versions that I've acquired these years, I opened it up. And instead of this being called uh, the triumphant entry, the, tri- the entry of Jesus in Jerusalem, the 11th chapter is literally titled Jesus Confronts the Hostile City of Jerusalem. The Hostile City of Jerusalem. The people that didn't have a problem with his, with his apostles coming in and borrowing a horse the night before, stealing a horse, even though they were Back then, in Hebrew law, there was no difference. Whether you intended to return or not, that was still death. Just to make that clear. Had no problem with it. knew he was coming. The people were saying, save us, save us, save us. And yet the scripture reports it as, Jesus confronts the hostile city of Jerusalem. in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe It's not a hard concept. In fact, I would argue there is no such thing as a hard concept in this truth. I believe this is a simple truth made for all mankind to the core. I truly believe that. Now I believe we can study ourselves past the good word on the page. That's dangerous. In fact, I believe Pastor Clark, in his last week, was talking about some of the attributes of chaos, and one of them, is the over pursuit of knowledge the the, the the arrogance of mankind that believes that we can learn ourselves on the level of God? One of the best one of the best things that mankind has has ever constructed of its of its own accord, and yes. even that's arguable. But it's the free market system which was happening in that temple. And what was God's response to that? It's a house of prayer. In fact, don't even use the temple of God as a shortcut. You ever use the church parking line and get out of traffic? He said Don't do it. A fig tree withers because it looks like a tree, it's pretty like a tree, and it not bear fruit. A temple is destroyed. In less than a fortnight from this from this happening, in less than 14 days, that temple would be torn. Because the risen Savior would give his life and he would rise again three days later. A temple that does not bear fruit, that is not offering hope to the people, will be destroyed. Just like a fig tree withers when it does not bear fruit. God has no use for a fruit tree that does not bear fruit, people. A fig tree that does not have faith. A church that does not have faith enough to move mountains. Because you know that faith? It, I, love, I love this passage. And there are multitude of sermons that you can preach just on, just, just on this faith statement here in Mark 11. Because Jesus is telling us something here that, that is so far beyond. Doubt prevents. healing because I know that that healing was secured for me at the foundations of the universe through your son Jesus Christ who was there with you before I was ever created and he came to this planet and gave his life to be the sacrifice for me and he restored all the imperfections that sin would heap upon this frail creature of of me that he in that victorious moment when he rose from the grave he conquered the wages of sin forever, and I'm just waiting for this silly body of mine to grasp hold of the healing that already occurred two centuries ago. Doubt will prevent you from seeing what faith has already accomplished. That's how a big tree withers. That's how a temple has people selling things in it and purchasing things in it and not knowing the word of God because the fruit is not there. But I'm going to continue reading read New Mark 11 because the Lord told me I have to read this whole chapter And they came again to Jerusalem. So this is day. We're walking into the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and elders came to him, and they said to him, By what? pieces of dribbled tree that are just like, these stumps. Hey, y'all remember what kind of fruit it was there? Y'all remember what kind of tree we are? That's the question. I mean, that's where they got back to. They don't even remember what kind of tree they are. They're still halfway standing there. They don't even remember what kind of tree they are. Talk about a fig tree with it. Yes,